Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. And today I have an interview with a good friend of mine, Anne Calver. And it is on the leadership of Spring Harvest with me. And she's absolutely fantastic. And a little while ago, I got to uh, just Skype with her and have a chat with her about some of her prophetic ministry, some of the things that she's passionate about. Uh, and she has just written an incredible book for Spring Harvest called Unleashed, which she'll, she will mention at the end of the podcast. And the quality, sadly, isn't absolutely amazing. I'm not quite sure what happens. The internet was playing up on that day, and I've done my best to try and, and make it as clear as possible. But I hope the content shines through over anything else. Don't forget that you can like and share this episode. Love you to feel like you can tell friends about it, particularly if you've just heard Anne at something like Spring Harvest and you found yourself here listening to this. Do share this episode uh, with other people. My name is Chris Rogers and I'm your host today on this podcast episode with Anne Calver. Grace and peace. Welcome to Making Disciples, Anne Calver, really excited to have you here um, with us today. Thank you so much for giving us this time. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about what your day looked like today before we, we got this conversation? Absolutely. Well, hi, Chris. Thank you so much. It's brilliant to be joining you on Making Disciples. Um, my day so far has um, been a team meeting um, with my church team in Stanmore and um, praying a lot about what the Lord is doing currently. We're seeing a lot of ministry happen yesterday, so a lot of um, transformation going on, particularly around the area of fear um, and people dealing with a lot of fear and encountering um, the Father's love. And we were pre preaching from Romans 8, so there's a lot of beautiful kind of heart work going on, um, people kind of overcoming their fear of the Holy Spirit and encountering mm. um, his love, some some of them for the first time. So, yeah, so as a team, we're just excited and, and praying, praying a lot today. It's been a great mm. day in terms of praying and then just emails and admin and, and now here I am with you. Sounds like a very normal day. Very normal day. <laughs> very normal day. I want to jump in. At, well, normal for a church leader, by the way, I'm, you know, in terms of that's what, you know, it, it sounds like a good, good Monday. Um, I wanted to hop straight in and talk to you about discipleship. I'd love to talk to you, uh, something that inspires you and has inspired you is the church in Iran. And I'd love yes. to just hear, what is it for you about the church in Iran and discipleship that's really inspiring you? Oh, thank you, Chris. Yeah, I just, the rapid growth of the church in Iran, the fastest growing church in the world, I has massively impacted my my faith journey. And I think it's with this desire to see the Lord move in power in our nation, in our land. So I've, I've kind of been turning my attention to what's happening there and going, how are they discipling people? What are they doing that actually we need to grab hold of that we could maybe use here in terms of discipling our people? And so what, what struck me the most is that discipleship begins immediately. It even begins before conversion for a lot of them. So when they, they get given a Bible almost immediately, if they can be given a Bible, and they're taught that as they open the Bible, that they read the Bible for transformation. They don't read it for information. They read it for transformation. So immediately 
they're, they're told it's the living word of God and to expect God to speak through every word that it says in some way into their heart and life. Um, so that was the first thing that really struck me. And then the second thing was just that they they have this immediate relationship with the living God, which obviously we should we should all have as we come to Jesus. But there's this sense of, um, you know, and beginning to talk to him as father and beginning to believe that he talks to them too. Mm. So the fact that they could be introduced to Jesus by someone saying, well, I believe God led me to speak to you today. So then they're going, well, why? And they're going, well, because God spoke to me. So as he can speak to you. And there's this powerful role modeling and passing on um, of their story from one to another. So they're constantly sharing their own faith journey, their own story of how they've met Jesus and how they could be the person they're speaking to can meet Jesus too. Mm. That's really cool. Yeah, you, I mean, you, it was just... You've, um, you've, <laughs> used, really you've used the word transformation twice so far. So you talked about it this morning in terms of what you were seeing God up to at your church yesterday. And you just talked yeah. about it now in terms of uh, the discipleship of people in Iran. I'd love to just, what does that word transformation mean? Because in some ways it's a modern uh, word. It, you know, it wasn't a word that was particularly used a thousand years, a hundred years ago in the church, but it's a word that we talk about now a lot. What, what, what is transformation? Yeah, well, I think um, if we talk about it in terms of Iran, I think what they're seeing is, you know, a lot of people who are coming to Jesus, who are meeting Jesus for the first time, are have been victims of rape um, and a, a lot of abuse, a lot of pain, a lot of oppression. And that actually when they're coming to Jesus, there's a radical heart transformation, uh, a healing that's going on in them as they encounter the love of Jesus. So I think that's the kind of transformation that I'm talking about. It's not just that they receive Jesus in their heads, but they, mm. as they receive him into their hearts, they're set free, they're healed from a lot of rubbish. Um, and then they rise up as leaders. A lot of them kind of quickly become leaders in the church. And a lot of them are female, which intrigues me. Um, you know, they're not sort of maybe the women who are leading like maybe I am or, or other women. I know that they're women who are extremely broken and humble. And yet when they've encountered the love of Jesus, they're, they're so filled with the power of God, I suppose, that then they begin to lead many, many, many others to Jesus too. It's, it's quite, I think I'm still getting my head around some of it. Mm. I think it's, it is the power of our Christian faith. You know, the fact that Jesus is, changes and transforms us. And, and I love in Philippians where it talks about uh, the fact that Jesus will carry on his work until completion. And, you know, it's not until we fully die that actually we, the completion happens concludes it's like life becomes this journey of being changed and shaped by Jesus and for yes. so many of us who were maybe born into the Christian faith or been around the Christian faith for so long it's almost like we we stop being transformed yes. or we think like that's been done now but actually it's a life lived every day encountering Jesus and the more we encounter Jesus the more he shapes and changes us so that we become more like him over the long haul, not just over the short period of time, isn't it? It's a, it's a lifelong lived, everyday a little bit more it's, like him. But I think we're in, I think we're in danger of, of minimising the power of the gospel. I think we're in danger as a culture of, of not expecting God to really, really 
make change us, you know, more into the likeness of Jesus. And actually, you know, our, the gospel that we believe in is, is, is a gospel of total transformation, you know, and the old has gone, the new has come mm. and that, that, that can happen. And I think, I think God is looking for a church who are going to pray big prayers and believe for great things, you know, mm. and, and I just keep being challenged on that level. How big are my prayers? What, what do I believe God can actually do? Um, in my life and in the lives of those around us. Yeah. I um, mm-hmm. I was really struck when I was in Lebanon uh, a couple of years ago, visiting the church there and new Christians, and there was an expectation that God was going to change you and do something in your life. There was just this daily expectation that God had something new for you. And partly it's because a lot of the people were moving from some of the faith into Christianity and we're realizing that their, this new faith was so radically different to what they knew before, that this, this God that was living was going to be up, up to something, was going to do something. There was just this deep yeah. expectation. And then I came back to the church in the UK, and I don't know, I, it was two weeks after I got back to my church, but I was somewhere else speaking, and it just really struck me that this church had no expectation at all. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, I, it was poles apart. Um, yeah. I mean, can we just ask this question then? If if God wants to change us for the better, yes, not because He doesn't like us, but because He absolutely adores us. Uh, how mm. do we go about? If we're a bit stale and we've been a Christian for a little while, how do we go about uh, starting again with the the plan that God wants to shape and change us? How do we go? How do we step yeah, into that's... that? That's such a good question. I think recently. Um... The Lord gave me quite a, a funny picture and he was reminding me of, uh, um, you know, sometimes in your mind's eye, you can have a picture of something come to you. And it's like a building image that I that I was kind of aware of. And it was it was the Sleeping Beauty image. You know, uh, I mean, you, everyone can imagine the Disney classic, you know, where she's she's laid there asleep in the bed and she's been there for 100 years. And and, the you know, the single rose just sitting there on her chest and. And she's fast asleep in these thick castle walls. And and then suddenly the prince comes a-riding and he comes, you know, through the forest and, and he comes with his sword and he slays the dragon en route and he gets to the castle walls and, and he manages to get into the castle and, and get to Sleeping Beauty. Um, and then then he kisses her and she wakes, doesn't doesn't he? And I, I really, I really felt, I mean, the Lord spoke to me a lot in different ways through that image, but but one of the things that, that really struck me was that the bridegroom is coming to wake the bride mm. and that the bridegroom isn't coming to like shake the bride necessarily. In some ways, maybe some of us do need shaking, but it's the kiss of love. It's the love of God, the encounter of his love that is going to wake us up. It's it's encountering who he is again and that he's this incredible God of love that wants to come with that love to, to encounter you and meet with you. And and that, as I, the more I understand of his love and the more I invite the Holy Spirit to reveal of his love, the more awake I think I become to who he is and to what he's calling mm. me to do. So, yeah, and, and that, I think mm. he's chasing us down. I think he's fighting till we're found. I think, you know, he is leaving the 99. He's coming after the one because there's something ahead that's really exciting. And he wants his bride ready for what's ahead. So interesting when you were telling the story, when you said that the prince, uh, what was happening in my head, I was thinking, hang on, if you change the story and you say the king's son was wow. coming, 
it's suddenly um, yeah. Jesus is the, the prince of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, he's also the, you know, awesome. the king of the kingdom. But uh, if you talk about uh, this story in terms of the, the king's son coming to find the, mm-hmm. the sleeping beauty, I was, I was like, wow, actually, that's an incredible um, story yeah. of what Jesus does. He comes to wake us up because he's got yeah. something for us that is phenomenal. He's got a kingdom to share with us. Um, yes. I never, I mean, I might have to yeah, watch Sleeping Beauty again. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something about the prince as well. I mean, you know, the, the prince coming and riding and, and he beats through this forest and he slays this dragon. You know, there's something about the warfare piece as well. There's something about the fact that actually it might not be easy for us to encounter God. We might be in a place of being surrounded by junk and stuff that's trying to cloud our vision of God Mm. and like all kinds of habits, maybe devices, whatever it might be that would come in the way of us actually meeting the bridegroom. Um, And I think that the Lord, you know, he wants us to take the sword, take this, if you want to, if you like the sword of the spirit and cut through the dross in order to come to a place of encounter. Mm. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about the Lord, isn't it? When you do sense something from him, there's all kinds of angles that he then reveals yeah. Yeah. from it. Can we just go back to, you were talking about Iran for a moment, because it really yes. seems to me that there's a, God is really doing some profound and incredible miracles in the church in yeah. the Middle East. And when I was there, I, um, I met uh, an Iranian pastor of a church and, I asked him how he had really come to faith and heard God's call in his life. And he told me this amazing story of how he was a Muslim Iranian. He met a Christian. The Christian told him that uh, Jesus was Lord. He disagreed. And the guy said to him, look, why don't you just pray that you'd have a conversation with Jesus and Jesus would show himself to you. So this guy yeah. agrees. They pray that Jesus would come and tell him about himself. Two days later... Uh, His wife comes home, she opens the door, and there is her husband on his hands and knees on the living room floor, sobbing. And she said, what's the matter? What's happened? He said, "Uh, two days ago I prayed that Jesus would tell me about who he is, and I've just had an hour with Jesus here in the living room, face to face, uh, living, breathing, flesh and blood Jesus, who told, told me everything I needed to hear. And his wife said, you've gone mad. We're Muslim. You've gone mad. <laughs> and he said, why don't you pray the same? And um, a few days later, he comes home. He finds his wife on her hands and knees in the living room sobbing. And he says, what's the matter? And she says, Jesus has just come and face to face, flesh and blood, uh, told me everything I needed to hear. So they went and found a copy of the Bible in their own language. And they started a little Bible study between them because they didn't know any other Christians. They started studying the Bible together and then uh, other people that they were sharing this encounter with who were also Muslim started converting to become Christians. And the next thing they knew, they had a little church in their living room. They'd never done a theology course. They'd never had everything. But Jesus had told them everything they needed. And, and the Bible was where they were learning it from. And they actually planted their church in their living room from this encounter with Jesus. And now their church mm. is a church of hundreds. And awesome. it just blew me away that, mm-hmm. you know, here is a living Jesus 
meeting them face to face. And I don't know if you, you've heard anything like that, but it just seems to me that God is doing stuff. And yet we are mumbling our Lord's Prayer. We kind of singing our songs half-hearted, and yet King Jesus, well, he's changing lives. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, and I think it, you know, it is happening in a lot of places. I I was told a story recently from a friend, and, and she'd said that there was, it's a different country, but it's near Iran that I'm, I can't mention, but but she she had had a vision of Jesus. Um, she'd lay down. She just had a vision of Jesus at night. She'd just seen Jesus saying to her that he was the son of God and the way, the truth, and the life. That was just, It was as simple as that, and it was a glowing figure, and she knew that it was Jesus. And so she'd gone and found the church. Um, again, a Muslim woman, she'd gone and found the church and said to the church leaders, guys, you know, I've had this vision of Jesus. I know that he is real. I know he's true. And I know he is who he says he is. How do I become a Christian? And, you know, they prayed with her. It was awesome. But then they said to her, be careful because sharing your faith is dangerous in this place. And so she'd gone away and they'd sent her off with a lot of prayers, but they were really concerned. And she didn't come back and she didn't come back and she didn't come back. And it was two weeks until she showed her face again in the church. And they, by that point, they were so worried. And they were like, thank goodness that you're okay. Thank Where have you been? What have you been doing? And she said she'd been into the mosque and found every single woman in the mosque and told them about Jesus. Mm. And, and she was shocked that these church leaders were saying, oh, why would, you know, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Haven't you learned we don't talk about this? Um, and she'd found every single woman and told them about Jesus. And the crazy thing is, Chris, that every single woman in that mosque had had the same vision of Jesus, the same vision, and everyone I think, came to Jesus. I don't know if I've awesome? told you, Anne, but um, we had a situation a couple of years ago where we've been prayer walking over our neighbourhood, and we do this regularly where we pray over every door in our neighbourhood, every household, and we put a flyer through this particular door. That was a Tuesday morning. Now, on the following Sunday, this lady walks into our church, and she says, um, Jesus says, you'll tell me who he is. And we were like, what? Said, what? And she said, on Tuesday night, the man in white came to me in my dream and said, my name is Jesus. You've been told I'm a prophet and it's a lie. Go to the church across the road and they'll tell you who I am. And she, she walked in and wow. said, Jesus says, you'll tell me who he is. And we were what? so taken aback. We didn't know what to do. We didn't like, how, how do you even respond? So we, you know, we ended up leading her to faith she's come to know Jesus and it's been a really difficult journey to try and help her unravel her old faith her new faith and everything it's never been it's not been a straight line but she she had a dream of Jesus and that's across the road from yeah. my church and you know I think God is doing this yeah. stuff and during Ramadan one of our things that our church does is we regularly have prayer meetings that people would have dreams of Jesus, because to make a real inroad into the Muslim faith, it will only happen when people encounter Jesus. Think about Saul and his conversion mm. to Paul. You know, Paul's conversion mm. only happens in an encounter with Jesus. I think that well, that's what mm. we need to see today happening in our Muslim uh, communities. I don't know if I mentioned that story to you before, but it, you know, God is on yeah, God is up think... to the stuff. Mm. And it's the prayer, it's what you're saying about prayer as well, isn't it? It's so, so key. You know, we are 
in prayer as much as we can be. But I think the more we're going to pray, the more we're going to see this kind of breakthrough happen. We yeah. we had a guy. I mean, I was I happened to be speaking at this is quite a few months ago, and I happened to be speaking about Iran and about what you know what's happening out in amongst the Iranian people and sharing some of the story. And suddenly, this guy just walks into our church off the street, and he had that morning he'd got in his car again a muslim guy got in his car and had driven down three roads from his restaurant um up in the town just feeling compelled to drive down the road and then to pull over and park outside the church and he didn't know why but he just knew that was where he was going to park mm. led by the spirit before conversion and walks in to the church and hears me talking about his people <laughs> And two weeks before that, we'd ordered some Bibles in Farsi, one of the team members. And I'd thought, goodness me, why are we ordering Bibles in Farsi? We haven't got any people who speak Farsi in the church. And then that day we were able to put a Bible in his hand and we just baptized him recently. But it's just like God is is doing something ahead of us, you know, and he'll do it with us or without us. But I don't know about you. I want I want to be on board. I want to I want to be part of what's happening and. It's a trickle, but it's going to be a flow. Yeah. Come on. A Muslim <laughs> mate of mine that I've been reading the Gospels with uh, here in East London for a little while now. Um, we've been doing a lot together, but I've been praying, God, you need to show him yourself now because I, I've given him all of the, the language. I've explained it, but he needs an encounter with you. And he, he's been having a situation where he'll turn his TV off on an evening and he'll turn it off on Sky News. But when he turns it on in the morning, it's on TBN. <laughs> and he just says everywhere I go, I can't get away from your Jesus because I'm turning my TV off and I turn it back on, it's TBN. And he even heard a sermon from Ephesians <laughs> and the God of immeasurably more. And uh, he said, it's like the person in the screen was telling me exactly what I needed to hear. And, I, you know, it amazes me that this is what God is up to. The question is, are we ready yeah. to catch people? You know, the fruit is ready for the picking, but are we ready to catch it as it falls? Um, yes. Can I, I yeah. want, I'm going to run out of time with you if I'm not careful because there's so much we could talk about. But I want to talk about your prophetic gift for a moment because one of the things about you, Anne, that I absolutely love is just how naturally you walk in uh, the prophetic. Now, some people won't even know what that word means. Um, but, you know, one of the ways that, that God wants to talk to us is literally to give us pictures and words and things that I often call weird stuff. You know, sometimes God gives you a, a weird phrase yeah. or a weird picture, but then when you share it, it can really connect with somebody in the room that uh, it's like, that was exactly what I needed to hear right now. And uh, it's just a weird yeah. phrase or something, but you, you are so natural in the prophetic. When did you start, when did you start kind of testing that out and playing with it? And, and cause really when you grow in the prophetic, it, not the thing that you naturally can just do every day. Uh, what did it look like for you as you started to try to listen to God and hear what he said? Yeah, I think um, my first memory is of when I was 18 and I took a gap year. And I, I really didn't have any knowledge of the Holy Spirit at all. And I found myself on this gap year down in Exeter. And that's quite a long way from where I grew up near Liverpool and and you know I was introduced to the Holy Spirit and 
through the word of God and just through some teaching that was shared. And, and then we had a time of just waiting to waiting on the Lord to see whether anything would come to mind or any words or pictures or anything. And I, and that was my first experience as I started to think, I just started to have words and I just come into my head and I didn't really know if they were from God. I remember, I really remember like going up to this one woman and just whispering in her ear with something that I'd felt God say. And, and it was so weird in my head that I was just like, I don't want to say this out loud. Imagine if she just turns around and goes, you're totally nuts, Anne. Um, but she was really incredible. And she just said, oh, thank you so, so much. That's just really of, from God. And I, and I think, I, you know, like you say, the seasons with, with the gifts that are really, I feel like I can, I'm really aware of what God's saying in some seasons and I'm really not in others. So it's not something that, you know, it's not something that I feel is there all the time and really strong. But but I think it's probably some of it has been born through a tough time um, in my in my walk, like my just my normal human journey of life. And, and so when I've gone through really tough times, I think I've really I've held on really, really tight to Jesus. And I think he's been the one that I've gone to through everything. And so the more I've pressed in, the more I've been aware of what he's saying to me and the more I'm aware of what he's doing and so more recently the prophetic piece I think is is about the church wider and so I don't often get like one-on words for people one-on-one because I think the prophetic takes lots of different forms through different people Mm. but for me it's been more about what's God saying to the UK church and that those are the sort of words or pictures that I'm getting in the last three years does that make sense i hope i'm making sense no totally and i think um there's definitely seasons in these things and there's there's been times for me where i've just felt like god's really hammering something home and then there's other times where you feel like you're left just to marinate on what he said and uh, sometimes we're it can be like we're, we're, we're dashing after the new thing God is saying when actually sometimes God's just saying, well, I told you about two years ago. <laughs> but you've, done, you've done nothing with what I told you two years ago. So you want something new? Well, go back to the thing I told you two years ago because I'm still on it. Uh, so there's definitely a season yes. thing there. Yeah. yeah, and I think we have to be really careful. Um, you know, I think the danger of the prophetic is that, you know, often it's about the future. Often it can race ahead. It's a gift that can, can race us ahead um and i don't want to get ahead of what god's doing right now it's like you you know when you bring those words and and then actually seeing him begin to work them out because he might speak something that's 10 years in the making you know or or even something beyond my lifetime um Mm. and it's going okay lord how do i walk in that every day like how do i walk in that word now um and that's where i sometimes can get frustrated in it because i'm like but i want to see that come to pass now i want to see it Mm. um and I think it's about hearing the word, but also actively working out the word in your own life, because I think there's, there's a response or I feel a responsibility not just to hear, but also to respond in my own walk and how I, you know, what I do. I think the prophetic becomes a reality as we step mm-hmm. into what God's promises are. And one of the things about the prophetic is uh, when somebody shares something with us, it, we can often feel like that, you know, that doesn't fit. I don't do that. Uh, I don't know how that would work, or uh, we had a little, so we used to work with Will van der Hart, and um, he, before we oh, left yeah. to move to East London, um, he came and presented Becky with a prophetic word that he felt like God was giving for her, and I remember at the time, 
uh, it was a great word. It kind of, we enjoyed it, but it was like, I'm not sure quite where that fits. And then I was just reflecting about six months ago, where we are now, what we are doing now, God was telling us 10, 12 years ago uh, about yeah. Becky, uh, her calling, who she was and what she was to do. But it's only now 10 years later we go, hang on. Uh, yes, that was God. It's just it was, it was something for us to hold on to and then we would see it happen. And it's almost like it crept up on us where we suddenly realised, oh, yeah, that's kind of what, what's happening now. Actually, that's who you are now. Um, and so sometimes there's a season to these things, aren't there, where you think, does this even fit anything? But 10 years go by, you, you suddenly realise that God was just really casting out a net for the long haul here. This was something that was yeah. uh, really far off or somewhat far off. Yeah. Can I? Yeah, absolutely. I you, yeah, go. Um, just before we go, like, if somebody is getting a sense that I think God might be giving me things, like phrases or bits for the Bible for somebody, do you have any rules that you play by uh, around what's appropriate and not appropriate to be sharing? Do you have like? Uh, do we often talk about no births, deaths, or marriages? Yes, we say that. Yes, have, definitely. And I. Th- think of it I, I mean if it's an, someone who's prophesying you know in the early stages then I'd be always saying is it something that's going to comfort is it something that's going to encourage and build people up um you know we're not we're not there to stand in judgment over people's lives like is it going to leave them knowing more of God's love is it as well what is it scripturally sound like is it something that you know that you've seen or understood from the word of God um yeah so I, I think that those are be a couple of things I think what where I feel more challenged now where I'm at in the prophetic is that often the words that I've got are not always encouraging Mm. (laughs) and they're not always to build up and and they're actually to bring some conviction sometimes um and but I'd be wary of people in the early stages of the prophetic bringing Mm. that kind of word and I always test them with the people that I trust around me um first and just say this is something that i'm sensing what do you think and there's got to be credibility in that as well i don't think i think you know uh, we'll you know we will receive something that you say because of the credibility that you've built up over your ministry that makes us go hang on if if Anne senses senses the lord is saying something we, we need to listen to it and and uh, weigh it up whereas actually uh, there are others who you think actually you, you've not quite got the credibility yet to to maybe bring that um that prophetic yeah, and word and the reality with that is yeah the reality i suppose with that as well is that i'm you know i'm answerable for that i'm answerable for for what i say where i say it um and just i think that there is a responsibility that we what we carry if we if we do begin to hear the lord you know what remembering that his voice shouts louder than mine mm. um, and I need to be really careful to honour him with what I say about him. Yeah. yeah. And thank you so much for your time. Bless really you, Chris. You. Can I, if people want to uh, find you and follow you online, where can they find you? Yeah, I, on Twitter, at Anne Calver. That's probably the best one. I'm on Facebook as well, Anne Calver. Um, but yeah, Twitter tends to be my go-to place. And um, I, I mean, just a couple of things. We, we have a book called Unleash that's coming out um, towards the end of March. It's being written um, for Spring Harvest, the conference Spring Harvest. 
Um, but it's about the church becoming the church that that it's called to be. We're really focusing in on Acts, and you're, you know, Chris, you've journeyed with us mm. on it. Um, but just saying, you know, how can we look, sound, smell more like the church um, we're meant to smell like? Um, so that's coming out. And I also have a book, Baby Change, coming out um, in March as well, which any any of you who are um, young parents or thinking about becoming parents or struggling with thinking about becoming parents, it's for you. Um, so I hope that's a blessing. And if you want further reading around what's happening in Iran or you just want to be inspired um, by what's happening in Iran, the film Sheep Among Wolves, Volume 2, is speaking very prophetically to the whole world, I think, at the moment. So that might be something that's worth a watch. And thank, thank you, you so Chris. much for your time. And 